We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Away we go. Episode 650 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Wednesday, September 6th, 2023, the day on which we get the first official Commander's Injury Report for the 2023 regular season. Yes, happy injury report day. Uh, So we will get updates on receiver Terry McLaurin as he is recovering from his uh, right big toe injury and edge defender Chase Young as he recovers from his stinger. Might we also get some news on a former Redskins receiver coming back to the team? Did you see or hear about who the commanders worked out on Tuesday? Jamison Crowder. The same Jamison Crowder, who the Skins took in the fourth round of the 2015 NFL Draft out of Duke. He played for the Skins for four seasons, 2015 through 2018. His 2015 and 2016 seasons were good. His 2017 and 2018 seasons, not so good. Uh, He last week got released by the New York Giants in their cut down to 53. He does have extensive NFL experience as a punt returner, although he has not done much in the way of punt returns since his time with the Skins. But could it be that we are on the verge of a reunion between Washington and Jamison Crowder? Hello and welcome to this Wednesday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. Jamison Crowder's last season with the Skins was the 2018 season. Do you remember how the Skins' 2018 regular season began? A blowout win over the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, This was a 24-6 win at the Cardinals. Might we see the Commanders 2023 regular season begin with a rout of the Cardinals, this time at FedEx Field. A sold-out FedEx Field. Don't forget that. Uh, coming up on the show, an in-depth look at the Cardinals as we'll chat with Cardinals insider Darren Urban of azcardinals.com, which is the team's official website. Uh, Darren is the site's director of editorial content and senior writer. He has covered the Cardinals for two-plus decades, and he's going to tell us all we need to know about the team against which the Commanders will begin their 2023 regular season this Sunday afternoon at 1. Just who will be the Cardinals' starting quarterback for this game? Uh, what is the Cardinals' long-term outlook with Kyler Murray as their QB1? Why did the Cardinals cut former Skins quarterback Colt McCoy? How exploitable 
is the Cardinals defense for the commander's offense. The answers to all of those questions and more with Darren Urban coming up. But before my conversation with Darren, I will talk commanders with you off comments from head coach Ron Rivera at a press conference on Tuesday afternoon, during which Ron addressed a variety of topics heading into the regular season. Ron discussed what he has talked about with the team's new managing partner, Ron's new boss, Josh Harris. Uh, Ron discussed whether, because of the new ownership and the, uh, shall we say, beatable nature of the Cardinals, there is increased pressure on Ron to get a win in week one. Uh, Ron discussed how quarterback Sam Howell likes to be coached. Uh, Ron discussed how to tell if a team is going to be good in an upcoming regular season, and a lot more. Additionally, the Commanders on Tuesday morning finally announced multiple long-anticipated promotions on Ron's coaching staff. So a lot of Commanders conversation on the show, and uh, we'll talk Nationals and Orioles. The Nats on Tuesday night got ripped. Uh, They are fading an 11-5 loss to the New York Mets at Nationals Park. The Nats now have lost six consecutive games in eight of the team's last nine games, but the American League leading O's, they late night on Tuesday night won a wild game, a 5-4, 10-inning win at the Los Angeles Angels in a game in which the O's blew a 2-0 seventh-inning lead, overcame a 3-2 ninth-inning lead, uh, and blew a 4-3 ninth-inning lead. But the O's did win. Uh, they now have won six of their last 22 games. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Joel Charney of my conversation with Commander's Insider Ben Standing of The Athletic on Tuesday's show, episode 649. And it was during our conversation that I announced an arrangement, a partnership between Ben and myself. For this commander season, we are going to be going on each other's podcasts on an alternating week-by-week basis. So one week, Ben will be on my podcast. The following week, I'll be on Ben's podcast and so on and so forth. Right, Joel? Al, happy start of the new era in Washington football. I'm thrilled with the news of the Goldie Standig weekly appearance arrangement. That's some serious analysis and fun back and forth to look forward to. Great idea, and thanks to both of you for making it work. Well, thank you very much for that, Joel. Yeah, Ben is great, very smart, very plugged in. So uh, the conversations with him are going to be a lot of fun. Email from Mike Stritt in Texas on the commander's mascot, Major Tutty. You know, we have not had a lot of tutty talk on this show lately, (laughs) but writes Mike, I am an active duty naval officer with the rank of commander. As a lifelong Washington football fan, I selfishly love the team name. My issue is with the mascot, Major Tutty. From a military perspective, which I assume was the focus of the rebrand, Major Tutty does not make sense. The rank commander is only applicable to the U.S. Navy and Coast Guard. The rank major is applicable only to the other services, Army, Air Force, Space Force, and Marines. Additionally, the rank of major is one officer rank below commander. This would be the equivalent of having a team called the Presidents and the mascot being Vice President Tutty. If we are not changing the name, I would at least like to see the mascot name changed. My recommendation is Skipper Tutty. The nickname Skipper is typically reserved for commanding officers who often hold the rank equivalent of commander. Additionally, the nickname Skipper is used across the different services, making it more inclusive. I know this seems trivial, but it stinks of old management oversight and is something 
that is easy to remedy. I would love to hear your thoughts. Keep up the excellent work. Well, thank you very much for that, Mike. I did not know that Major Tutty is not in alignment with the name of the team being commanders. You see, this is why I invite tweets and emails, because the intellect and insight provided by the listeners of this podcast are high level. Uh, And you know, this Major Tutty thing actually isn't that trivial. Uh, This actually is an attention to detail thing, the likes of which the team under its previous ownership got wrong way too often. And it's actually another thing about the rebrand that was sloppy. So props to Mike for pointing this out. And, you know, I have to laugh now thinking about all of this because, of course, the previous lead owner was Dan Snyder. And the nickname that a friend of this podcast, Tom Lavero columnist for the Washington Times had for Dan was Skipper Dan. So uh, Skipper Tutty, Skipper Dan, maybe there's something there. I don't know. But yeah, man, details matter. Accuracy matters. Facts matter. I still go back to the debacle that was the website commandlegacy.com in July 2022, a website meant to honor all-time greats for the franchise, but the website ended up having a ton of factual errors and misspellings. Like, not just a few factual errors and misspellings, because we know that mistakes happen, but a lot of factual errors and misspellings. Hopefully the days of that stuff are done. Uh, But yeah, for now, Major Tutty remains the mascot of our football team. Well, hopefully the commanders against the Cardinals this Sunday afternoon are scoring a lot of tutties, (laughs) are scoring a lot of touchdowns. Hopefully the commander's offense in the 2023 season proves to be as prolific as the great law firm of Paulson and Nace. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Paulson and Nace is a Washington, D.C.-based family law firm that handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. The law firm of Paulson and Nace is always there for you. Call 202-902-7611, and when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace fights for victims of all kinds of situations, including victims of errors made during diagnosis, during surgery, or with medication, victims of injuries caused by dangerous medications or medical devices, as well as defective auto parts, victims of accidents involving cars, trucks, bikes, or motorcycles, victims of deceptive trade practices, and false advertising. Heck, victims of shady lawyers. If your attorney acts in bad faith, is unethical in his or her counsel, or is negligent in his or her work, you could have a claim for legal malpractice. Paulson and Nace has represented corporate clients throughout the region, and Paulson and Nace has won millions of dollars for clients. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. If you feel that you've been wronged, if you think that you've been wronged but aren't sure, Call Paulson and Nace and schedule a no-obligation appointment. Call 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. And when you call, tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. You can also visit paulsonandnace.com. That's paulsonandnace.com. Just don't forget to tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace, if you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace.
Thank you to all of you who have given this podcast a five-star rating and who have written nice reviews of the podcast. Uh, You on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify can rate the podcast. Five-star ratings are very much appreciated, and you want Apple Podcasts can write a review saying that you like the podcast. The review does not have to be long. can be just a sentence or two, but the ratings and the reviews help us out a lot, so thank you very much for doing them. Uh, I last segment mentioned my conversation with Commander's Insider Ben Standing of The Athletic on Tuesday's show, episode 649. What are the things that I asked Ben about was why the commanders had yet to announce the promotion of assistant offensive line coach Travell Wharton to offensive line coach, despite that promotion having been known for months. Well, uh, looky, looky <laughs> at what the commanders did on Tuesday morning. They announced multiple coaching promotions. Uh, those promotions are Travell Wharton from assistant offensive line coach to offensive line coach, Randy Jordan from running backs coach to senior offensive assistant slash running backs coach, Juan Castillo from tight ends coach to running game coordinator, and Todd Storm from assistant tight ends coach to tight ends coach. So, Good to have those promotions now official. Commander's head coach Ron Rivera did a press conference on Tuesday afternoon. This was Ron on whether the team finally announcing these coaching promotions, which presumably had been held up by the transition in ownership of the team, uh, might be a sign that progress is being made toward contract extensions for edge defender Montez Sweat and safety Cameron Curl. Well, not necessarily. Other than just the fact that uh, we're we're continuing to work with them, you know, we're we're um, looking at all the different things that are involved in, in running the organization and the team. And you know, this has only been five weeks. I mean, there's a lot of things that they want to do, and they want to make sure you know they're, that they're being done the right way. And so there is a learning curve that that goes with all this. Um, and you know, there are some things that that are a little more urgent than others. But as we you know start and continue to go forward, you know, these are all be things that we'll continue to work out with them. Um, you know, the, the the new ownership group has been terrific. They really have. You know, we've we've had a lot of conversations and we continue to have conversations on a lot of those topics. Yeah, so at least publicly, Ron Rivera continues to provide very little indication that contract extensions for Montez Sweat and Cameron Curl are coming or are even being discussed. Now, it certainly is possible that extensions are being worked on and we're just not hearing anything about them. But what had become a bit of a tradition for Washington with Ron as head coach, the significant summer contract extension may be ending. The tradition may be coming to an end. Uh, The team on July 27th, 2021 officially announced the signing of interior defensive lineman Jonathan Allen to a four-year contract extension. The team on July 28th, 2021 officially announced the signing of tight end Logan Thomas to a three-year contract extension. The team on July 5th, 2022 officially announced the signing of receiver Terry McLaurin to a three-year contract extension. But we, in the summer of 2023, have not had a significant contract extension announced by the team. Not yet, anyway. Uh, This was Ron Rivera on Tuesday afternoon on whether he needs to see more from Montez Sweat and another edge defender for whom the 2023 season is a contract season, Chase Young, before deciding what to do with each guy contractually long-term. Well, I think for for the team as a whole, we have to see how everything happens and how everything does go before you can really make decisions on a lot of other uh, things like that. I mean, again, it really is about how we do and how, how well everybody's playing. Yes, it is. But back to the new ownership of the team, the Josh Harris Group. 
Uh, Ron Rivera, in a press conference on July 25th, admitted, quote, I've got a lot to prove, end quote, to Josh Harris. Then Ron, in a post-training camp practice press conference on July 26th, said that the 2023 season, quote, is a bit of an audition, end quote, for him with Josh. We have the Commanders 2023 regular season opener this Sunday, home to the Arizona Cardinals, Sunday afternoon at 1. Ron on Tuesday afternoon was asked if this year in particular, it is important for his team to win its week one game, especially considering that the Commanders are favored against the Cardinals team expected to be maybe the worst team in the NFL. So you'll hear Ron answer that, and then you'll hear a follow-up exchange with Commanders insider Sam Fortier of the Washington Post. No, it's always important. There's, it doesn't matter. The opener is always important. Um, for the simple reason, one of the things that John Madden told me is, you win the first one, you're, you're always in the plus. If you lose the first one, you're behind. And so it's always important. And has Josh talked to you about expectations for this year in, in terms of what, I don't know exactly like what that definition would be, but what have you guys talked about in terms of? We talked about the greatest expectation is to win. Just like it is every, every year. It's about winning. So I'm actually not one of these people who is hung up on the commanders needing to blow out the Cardinals this Sunday afternoon. Now, would I like for the commanders to blow out the Cardinals this Sunday afternoon? Absolutely. (laughs) But the team just needs to win the game because here's the truth. Few things in sports are as misleading as week one results in NFL seasons. And so even if the commanders do blow out the Cardinals this Sunday afternoon, that's not going to guarantee anything. Do you remember what happened in week one last season? The Commanders began their 2022 regular season with a 28-22 win over the Jacksonville Jaguars at FedEx Field on September 11, 2022. Carson Wentz, in his Commanders regular season debut, had a roller coaster of a game, but he did quarterback a game-winning 13-play, 90-yard touchdown drive that resulted in his uh, third and eight, 24-yard shotgun touchdown pass to receiver Jahan Dodson with a minute 46 seconds left in the fourth quarter. In fact, Carson became the first Washington quarterback to have at least four touchdown passes and to throw for at least 300 yards in a game since Kirk Cousins in December 2015. And Carson became the first Washington quarterback to have at least four touchdown passes in a week one game since Billy Kilmer in 1975. The narrative coming out of that game was that Washington just might have itself a big-time passing offense. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that narrative turned out to be wrong. So uh, do not make the mistake of putting too much stock into whatever happens this Sunday afternoon at FedEx Field. What matters is that the commanders win. How they win, not so much, because how they win may not ultimately mean much. But heck yeah, I would love for the commanders to smash the Cardinals. You know, 35-10, Sam Howell, five touchdown passes. Why the heck not? Uh, Speaking of the commanders QB1, this was Ron Rivera on Tuesday afternoon on if Sam likes to be coached hard. I would say Sam wants to be coached. You know, he wants wants to be critiqued. Um, and like any other player, he, you know, the occasional pat on the back is always a good thing. I mean, he, he wants, he'll take it as it comes. And, and that's one of the things I think that has been really great about him and about his, a lot of his teammates, most of his teammates, all of his teammates for that matter, that, you know, they appreciated being pushed. They appreciated 
being critiqued, they appreciated being praised. And, and, and you know, it, it goes back to, you know, if, if you tell people what they need to hear and not what they want to hear, you're better off. And I think that's what our guys have really appreciated this year. And Rod Rivera right there alluding, of course, to assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy. Rod on Tuesday afternoon got asked how quickly into the regular season he thinks that Eric will unveil the entirety of his commander's offense. This was Ron's answer. I think Coach Bieniemy is going to do it where he, where he thinks is best. Um, that's what he did in the preseason games. He, he had an idea of how he wanted each, each game to, to look. Um, he had specific plays he wanted to use for each game, um, and he wanted to make sure the guys were very comfortable and they would play fast. I really believe that's going to be his attitude coming into this game is things that we do well for, for what against what they do, he, he's going to implement in the, in the game plan. Um, and I promise you, if you asked him, one of the first things he says is, I want them to play fast. Um, and so as, as we prepare for, uh, for, for, for Arizona, uh, I, I expect that to happen, as I do with Jack. I mean, Jack's been an advocate all, all training camp is that we're going to do what we do, we do what we do, we do what we do, and, and that's what he's done. He's stuck to it. Um, and you could see it in the practices. You could see it when we, when we practiced against Baltimore. You did, saw it in all three preseason games. Um, these guys have an idea of, of, of what they really do truly believe is best for our players, and uh, they're going to do it. A lot of new parts for the commander's offense, new offensive coordinator, new starting quarterback, revamped offensive line. Rod Rivera on Tuesday afternoon on how he gauges when the offense might come together. Well, I think you'll see it if we're consistent. You know, if if you're counting on explosive plays all the time, you know, you're going to live and die with them most certainly. But if you're consistent, you, you work towards it and you can you know, point to the fact that, oh, you know, we get the ball, you know, we're, we're not going three and out, three and out, three and out. We're, you know, we're, we're, we're having extended drives. We're, we're, we're able to flip the field position and score. You know, defensively, it's about, you know, are, are you able to, to hold the opponent back? Are you, you able to get out on three, three and outs? Are you successful, you know, with, with certain things? Um, I think those are the things that you look for. And what about the Commanders team as a whole? Ron Rivera is entering his 13th regular season as an NFL head coach. He was a Carolina Panthers head coach from January 2011 to December 2019. He has been Washington's head coach since January 2020. Here was Ron on Tuesday afternoon on what he looks for from a team during training camp and the preseason that might suggest that the team will be good in the upcoming regular season. I think a lot of it has to do with growth and, and development of, of key positions. Obviously, the quarterback is always you know the, the first and foremost. But then secondly, I think a little bit has to do with having the, the right group of, of offensive linemen, defensive linemen that seem to be coming together. Um, and then when you play in the preseason games and, and if you do practice against the, the, uh, somebody for a couple times, you're looking for consistency of performance more so than anything else. You know, they, they, get on the, they, they get up there and they do the same thing. They have success. Um, you know, and, and I think that's one of the things that, that we were working towards this year is to see that consistency. Um, and then, you know, the, 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 the confidence in, in terms of the things that they're doing. Uh, are they playing fast? Are they reacting quickly? Um, and, and we seem to be doing some of those things. So it, it, it's been kind of exciting, but, but you never know. And that's why you play on Sunday to find out. And the Commanders will be playing this Sunday 
Uh, Rod Rivera on Tuesday afternoon would not reveal anything about Commander's injuries, so we'll have to wait for the first official Commander's injury report of the 2023 season, a report that will be coming out on Wednesday in preparation for what is on Sunday, Commander's Cardinals at FedEx Field. A bunch of Commander's injuries to be thinking about right now, including receiver Terry McLaurin's right big toe injury, tight end Logan Thomas's calf injury, edge defender Chase Young-Stinger, and corner Danny Johnson's rotator cuff injury, Regarding Terry, Commander's insider Nikki Javala of the Washington Post on Tuesday afternoon tweeted the following, quote, Commander's wide receiver Terry McLaurin, parentheses, turf toe, end of parentheses, uh, is progressing in his recovery and is considered day-to-day per sources. There's hope he can play in the opener Sunday, but his status is still uncertain. End quote. Now, the Cardinals have not yet named a starting quarterback for Sunday afternoon. Uh, more on that next segment with our guest, Darren Urban, who is the director of editorial content and is the senior writer for the Cardinals' official website, azcardinals.com. And so we on Tuesday afternoon had this exchange between Commander's Insider Matthew Paris of the Washington Times and Ron Rivera. Because they haven't named a starting quarterback and... I get the injury policies is what it is, but is there some gamesmanship there of not trying to let them on, whether Chase or Terry would play or anything like that? Absolutely. I mean, it's it's all part of it. I mean, it's I know you know that that the the, the more doubt you can put on your in your opponent's mind, the the the, the more they got to work and think about and prepare, and it might take away from something that might be important or relevant. So as far as we're concerned, you know, we'll we'll do what we can and 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 what we have to do and that's how we how we're going to report it just based on you know on that so ron rivera right there admitting to some gamesmanship uh nothing wrong with that uh hey always good commander's content at wsh on the daily on instagram if you are a commander's fan and you're on instagram make sure that you're following at wsh on the daily uh, on the Daily just started in 2021 and yet has nearly 23,000 followers. And On the Daily is literally daily. Uh, the page is updated every day. News notes, reports, photos, graphics. Uh, this is a page that properly sources and vets its news and information. Doesn't just post anything that anyone says. Uh, on the Daily on Instagram is a great place in which you can converse with other Commanders fans regarding the team, the draft, free agency, and trades. Uh, on the Daily responds to every single DM. On the Daily is a page in which you can have fun. Uh, lots of creativity with jersey swaps and unique graphics and the contest name that redskin and free wallpaper Wednesday, which is when On the Daily gives out free wallpaper that you can use on your phone. And On the Daily always has a great fresh look. If you are on Instagram, check out at WSH on the Daily for smart, informative, fun, and engaging commander's content. Check out at WSH on the Daily on Instagram. Time now to get an in-depth look at the Commander's opponent in their 2023 regular season opener, which is taking place at a sold-out FedEx field this Sunday afternoon at 1. 
the Arizona Cardinals. I am very pleased to welcome to the Al Galdi podcast Cardinals insider Darren Urban of azcardinals.com, which is the team's official website. He is the site's director of editorial content and senior writer. Darren has worked for the team's website since July 2007 and covered the Cardinals prior to then. So he knows the team extremely well. You can follow Darren on Twitter at Cards Chatter. Darren, very nice to talk to you. How are you? I'm doing well. I appreciate you having me on. So the great mystery, who will be the Cardinals starting quarterback this Sunday afternoon? Uh, Kyler Murray is recovering from a torn right ACL that he suffered this past December. The Cardinals starting quarterback could be Joshua Dobbs, who the Cardinals uh, on August 24th acquired by a trade with the Cleveland Browns. The Cardinals starting quarterback could be Clayton Toon, who the Cardinals took in the fifth round of the 2023 NFL draft out of Houston. Do you have a sense of who the Cardinals starting quarterback this Sunday afternoon will be? I mean, I, I think the the idea that they traded for Joshua Dobbs when they did and, and moved on from Colt McCoy, it feels like there's a good chance that he could end up being the quarterback. But to be completely honest, Al, we don't know. And Jonathan Gannon has made it very clear that um, he has no intention of making that announcement before game day. Now, we all know how the league works. And between when we are recording this and, and game day, who knows if somebody might leak it out there nationally or something like that. But as of right now, I, I do think it's it seems like it's still up in the air. And I, I guess we'll find out. I mean, the way this team is set up, it feels like in a lot of ways, uh, you know, the quarterback conversation always comes back to, okay, at what point do you see Kyler Murray? And then you kind of work backwards from there. Yeah. When do you think that we'll see Kyler Murray playing a game this season? I think that's, that's another one that's hard to tell. Since they put him on the pup list, which means he's got to miss at least the first month of practice and games. Um, after that, it's, it's, it's up in the air. Um, you know, I, I've thought all along that I wouldn't be surprised if it was somewhere around midseason, um, which obviously would be more than four games, but they have the option uh, to keep him on pup list as long as they need to. So uh, he's got he's got at least another month to rehab and to, to figure out where he is. But they've that's another thing that they've played very close to the best, both Kyler and the organization in terms of where he is on his rehab, how he's feeling, what his timeline might be. Uh, it's, I think it's very important for them not to put a number out there or a week out there so that he's pressured in some way, shape, or form to come back. And I think it's important for him uh, to be comfortable when he gets back on the field where, you know, we're not talking about, you know, a sprained ankle. We're talking about a, a torn ACL and some meniscus damage. And, and for any NFL player that goes through that, that's a pretty significant injury that you have to return from. As you know, there over the last two years has been so much out there about Kyler Murray. I did find interesting the news on Monday that Kyler has been named a team captain for the Cardinals. Uh, what's the truth about Kyler? Is he the guy for the Cardinals at quarterback moving forward? Well, I think I think it is a fair question to ask because when you get a new general manager and a new coach coming in and they're not the ones that drafted the quarterback or have not been around since he's been playing, I mean, that's that, that would be a fair question for any team in any situation. Uh, obviously, the injury throws a wrench into that. I mean, I, I think if Kyler was healthy going into this season, there was no question that the idea was that they would come in and he would be the, uh, 
future franchise quarterback and and they were going to make that work and obviously you wouldn't have the the problem of a, of a guy coming back from a serious injury there's a lot of things in play here obviously the cardinals um have a couple of first round picks next year there's there's some quality quarterbacks that could be coming out in the draft but i i still come back to this he is a very talented player before everything happened, I mean, this is a guy who's made a couple of Pro Bowls, was a rookie of the year. It's not like this guy couldn't play football or wasn't doing well. And even before he got hurt, there was a lot of people wondering what would happen with Kyler Murray if he was teamed up with a different coach and a different offense than he had before. So I think a lot of people want to see that. I think he's very capable of being a very, very good quarterback in this league, if not great. And obviously he's already got a contract in place that, while it pays him a lot of money, if he turns out to be a great quarterback when he comes back from this injury, uh, the way quarterback contracts are going, it's going to be a pretty reasonable contract for a really good quarterback because everybody else is going to leapfrog him. So there, there are a ton of reasons why it would benefit this team for Kyler Murray to come back and be their franchise quarterback. Now, I, I, I don't know if that's going to happen for sure, Um but this idea that the Cardinals are definitely going to move on from him or they've, they've kind of gone in that thought process, I, that, I don't understand that at all because there's so many benefits that if he comes back and plays really well uh, to be able to turn those other two first-round picks into better players or another trade down or just to build this roster, uh, it would behoove them uh, to have that happen. Well, we do know that the Cardinals starting quarterback at the Commanders this Sunday afternoon. It will not be former Redskins quarterback Colt McCoy. Uh, The Cardinals released Colt now two Mondays ago, August 28th. The thinking had been that Colt would be the team starting quarterback in week one. Why did the Cardinals cut Colt? I I think there's a couple things there. I mean, I I, I think... Uh, and, and everybody thought Colt McCoy was going to be that starter. And, and I think Colt thought he was going to be that starter. I think Colt thought he was going to be that starter pretty much up until the point where he was released. Um, he did, he did struggle in training camp, uh, at times. He did have a, an elbow issue that while it didn't keep him out of practice, or prevent him from playing games. The games he didn't play in in the preseason or the, the times he didn't play had to do with, you know, just not wanting to subject him to preseason action and, and potential injury. Um, but he, he wasn't as, as crisp as they were hoping for. Um, and I think the idea that Joshua Dobbs, who was a guy that this team tried to sign as a free agent in March and it didn't work out. And then, uh, they made some, inquiries and it turned out that they he was available again uh, i think kind of changed the equation and and again uh, i think because of the because of the knowledge that this coaching staff and in particular offensive coordinator drew petzing has with joshua dobbs because they both worked together in cleveland last year um i think that played a role and and i think they were looking for somebody who would be behind center, which Clayton Toon can do this, Colt not so much. I think they're looking for somebody who can be a little bit, uh, who, who can move around in the pocket a little bit and, and not necessarily mirror what Kyler Murray does, but give them that option. And, and Dobbs does that. Clayton Toon does that. I don't think Colt McCoy really does that. And I think that was something else that they that played into the equation too. We're previewing Commander's Cardinals with 
Cardinals insider Darren Urban of azcardinals.com, which is the team's official website. He is the site's director of editorial content and senior writer. Cardinals tight end Zach Ertz last Wednesday, August 30th, told reporters that it was not a certainty that he'll play at the Commanders this Sunday afternoon. He's coming off a torn ACL and MCL. Do you have a lean on whether Ertz will play this Sunday afternoon? I know he wants to play. Um, and I couldn't tell last week. It's, it's been a little bit more difficult, you know, because this is the first year with uh, the new coaches. Um, you know, as a reporter, you're, you're trying to learn exactly how everything's going to play out. And, and any media contingent goes through that with any time there's a new coach. But I think it's pretty clear at this point that um, Jonathan Gannon is a coach who does not want any injury information out there. I think he's made it very clear to his players that he doesn't want that out there. So I can't tell when Zach Ertz says he's not sure. I don't know if that's just I'm playing the, the hidden game or if if there actually is a, a reason for him to think, oh, man, after all this, maybe it just doesn't make sense for him to, to try and, and play that very first week. I don't know exactly what's going to happen. Um, I look at their tight end situation. They've got uh, four tight ends on the active roster, if you include Zach Ertz. But one of them is a guy is a rookie who they just claimed off waivers, so I don't know how ready he would be. Um, and they do have another rookie who they've had all through the offseason training camp who they have on the practice squad. So they have bodies if Zach Ertz can't go. And I, again, I know that Zach Ertz has wanted to be back week one this whole time. But as you mentioned, he's coming off an MCL and an ACL injury, and it, you know, it's it hasn't quite been a year, and it, it's always impressive when these guys come back, but uh, you want to be smart. And the one thing Zach Ertz keeps saying is he wants to make sure he can make an impact when he's back out there. So only he and the coaches really know if he's at that level right now. The Cardinals' offensive line, how good do you think it'll be in the 2023 regular season? I think it, I think their starters, if they stay healthy, I think they have a chance to have a pretty decent offensive line. There's a lot of questions about a lot of positions on this team, fairly so. Um, but it's the offensive line that I think uh, I'm, I'm like, okay, this this could be an okay group. Now, the, there's still questions at center. Yelda Froholt is a guy who's only got four starts in the NFL and at center or four appearances at center in the NFL. And he's had to learn it, but he's actually had a pretty decent preseason and he's been the guy in the entire offseason. So he's, he's prepared in that way. Um, Paris Johnson, the rookie right tackle from Ohio state, uh, I think has played pretty solid and looked very good. Uh, for a guy who's coming in as a rookie, they've got, um, Will Hernandez at guard and DJ Humphreys as the left tackle who have proven themselves in this league. I think Elijah Wilkinson is a, is a, uh, a left guard who I think there's some questions about just because he's been a little bit of a journeyman, but he, he's played okay. And, and I think, I, I think out of all the questions that they might have on offense, uh, I think offensive line might be the least of them, at least what I've seen so far. Now, We'll see what happens, especially against a defensive line like Washington's. But um, I've been I've been pleasantly surprised with that group so far. When you look at the Cardinals' defense, who slash what do you view as the concerns? Who slash what do you view as the strengths? That that is a much bigger question all the way around. Um, they've got a Pro Bowler in Buda Baker. 
uh, at safety, and they've got another safety, Jalen Thompson, who's very, very good. Um, other than that, I think there's a lot of guys that are going to have to prove themselves. They have very much a, for lack of a better description, a no-name defensive line. Who there'll, there'll be some rotation there, but guys that you know, you know, one of the guys they're counting on is L.J. Collier, a former first-round pick of the Seahawks, who never quite figured it out in Seattle and he's come here and he's had a good training camp and preseason, but he's got to, you know, continue that consistency. Uh, for instance, their, their pass rushers right now are Zayvon Collins, one of their former first round picks who they had playing inside linebacker who's moved to outside linebacker. Um, they have a bunch of possibilities as rush outside backers like Collins, like Dennis Gardeck, like BJ Ojolari, who is a second round pick. Uh, like Cameron Thomas, who's a third-round pick last year. But at this point, none of them are proven that they can get to the quarterback consistently. That still has to be shown. Um, inside linebacker, they've got veterans like Kaiser White, who was in the Super Bowl last year. Um, but again, not necessarily names that are you're going to think about. And a cornerback, they've, they've still tried to figure some stuff out. I think Keetro Clark, a sixth-round rookie is probably going to get extensive time as one of the starting quarterbacks. So I, I think defensively, um, they, they've got a lot of questions and a lot to prove. Now, I will say that when their starters played in the preseason, briefly as it was, they were okay. Um, and, you know, what that means when teams start game planning for real, we will see. But um, I, obviously for this group, whether Terry McLaren plays for the, the commanders would seem to be a pretty significant swing one way or the other uh, in terms of what this defense could see. Absolutely. Uh, every Commanders fan is hoping that this uh, right big toe injury for receiver Terry McLaurin is not too bad. The Cardinals' first-year head coach, Jonathan Gannon, he spent the last two seasons as the Philadelphia Eagles defensive coordinator. What have you made of him so far? I think Jonathan Gannon is a guy that brings a lot of energy into the building. He brings uh, a lot of energy to his players. Uh, he stresses very much team over individual and that comes with very tangible kind of ideals in terms of you know there's there's significant fines if you end up being late to a meeting or late to a workout or if you miss something altogether um you know he 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 wants you putting the team above anything else and you know i, I think that's something that this this team didn't necessarily have a whole lot of you know cliff kingsbury was very much a player's kind of coach uh in terms of he believed that hey these guys are pros i can trust them to do what they need to do and you know i've been around this game for a lot you know 25 years now uh this league and the reality is there are guys that are like that but there's also a lot of other guys who need the structure and uh and Jonathan Gannon it definitely has brought the structure and you know he's moved and he's brought in players and let other players go that fit or didn't fit what he's trying to do and I know there's a lot of questions over what's going to happen with this team but there is no question that this team has been molded into what Jonathan Gannon and also GM Monty Austin would want to see going forward and that was going to be a process there was no question about it but he's He's definitely at the forefront. He knows what he wants. Uh, I know he hasn't been a head coach before, but he definitely came into this uh, understanding exactly the path he wanted to take.
Specific to the Cardinals' offensive scheme, the Cardinals' offensive coordinator is Drew Petzing, uh, who spent the last three seasons with the Cleveland Browns, including being the Browns' quarterbacks coach for last season, during which he coached current Commanders quarterback Jacoby Brissett. And the Cardinals' passing game coordinator and receivers coach is Drew Terrell, who spent the last three seasons as Washington's receivers coach. What kind of an offense are you expecting from the Cardinals? I mean, I can only go by what what we've kind of seen so far. But, I mean, for those of us who have been watching the Cardinals the last four years and what Cliff Kingsbury wanted to do, it's going to be fairly radically different for the Cardinals. I think what the rest of the league is going to see is a fairly normal pro-style offense. I mean, I I think there's a chance I saw more play-action passes in three preseason games than I may have seen the last four years for the Cardinals. And and that that might be a little bit of an exaggeration, but not much. And um, so I I think it's going to look, you know, they're going to want to run the ball. They got James Conner, who's one of their better – one of their better offensive players, and I think they're going to want to grind it a little bit. We're definitely going to see quarterbacks under center a lot more than they have been under the old system. But, yeah, I think, again, if you're a Cardinals fan who's watched a lot of it, it's going to look dramatically different. I think most NFL fans are going to be like, okay, that just looks like a a regular old NFL offense, pro-style offense. And I think that's – you're going to see, you know, multiple tight ends, that kind of thing. And I I think they're going to get a little bit more back to – basics in a lot of ways than than what they have been doing. Cardinals insider Darren Urban of azcardinals.com, which is the team's official website. He is the site's director of editorial content and senior writer. Darren, uh, thanks a lot for your time and all the best. Thanks, Al. All right. Well, the Commanders game against the Cardinals at FedEx Field this Sunday afternoon at 1 may be sold out. But if you are looking for great deals on tickets to other Commanders games, make sure that you download the GameTime app and use the promo code ALGALDI. When it comes to buying tickets for sports, music, comedy, and theater, the way to go is with the GameTime app. GameTime offers great deals on last-minute tickets and has a best price guarantee. So you no longer have to worry if you're truly going about getting tickets in the best possible way. The GameTime guarantee means that you'll always get the best price. And if you find tickets in the same section and row for less, GameTime will credit you 110% of the difference. What's also great about GameTime is how easy it makes searching for tickets. You can search by team, venue, or artist. Uh, I was just on GameTime looking at tickets for Commander's Games in the 2023 regular season. A lot of good deals, and the seating chart next to the listed tickets made figuring out what exactly I'd be getting super easy. GameTime is the fastest-growing ticketing app in the country. GameTime is the app for last-minute ticket deals. You don't have to plan months in advance. GameTime has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. GameTime also offers flash deals on tickets, and tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you never have to dig through your email. Get the tickets without the stress with GameTime, which is offering a special deal for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. Here's what you do. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use this promo code, Al Galdi. You use that promo code, Al Galdi, you get $20 off your first purchase. Uh, terms do apply, but download the GameTime app, create that account, and use the promo code, Al Galdi, for $20 off your first purchase. What time is it? It's game time. <laughs> download the GameTime app today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, the Nationals on Tuesday night did not have both shortstop C.J. Abrams and right fielder Lane Thomas in the starting lineup for a game for the first time in this 2023 regular season. Abrams was not in the lineup due to having looked worn down lately, even though the Nats just had an off day on Monday. Uh, Thomas was not in the lineup due to continued back tightness. So the Nats went into Tuesday night already in some trouble And then came yet another wretched outing by a Nats starting pitcher. And the result was yet another rough Nats loss. An 11-5 loss to the New York Mets at Nationals Park on Tuesday night. And game one of a two-game series. The Nats now have lost six consecutive games and eight of the team's last nine games. The Nats, during their six-game losing streak, have been outscored 49-20. The Nats for this regular season now are 62-77. That is the third worst record in the National League, and the Nats have a run differential of minus 124. That is the second worst run differential in the National League. Uh, The Nats starting pitching during this six-game losing streak has been really bad. Nats starting pitchers during this six-game losing streak for the team have combined to allow 34 runs in 27 innings. And doing the honors on Tuesday night was Patrick Corbin. He and this 11-5 loss to the Mets was a disaster. He allowed eight runs in four innings. He gave up seven hits, three home runs, a triple, and three singles. He issued a walk and a hit by pitch. He recorded just two strikeouts. He threw 83 pitches, 53 strikes versus 30 balls. The home runs were a killer. The Nats on Tuesday night got out-homered by the Mets 5-0. Corbin in the top of the first allowed four runs, including giving up a two-out three-run homer by Francisco Alvarez on a bomb to left field for a 4-0 Mets lead. The homer would have projected 419 feet per stat cast. Corbin in the top of the third allowed two runs, including giving up a leadoff full count home run by Francisco Lindor to left center field for a 5-1 Mets lead. The homer came despite Lindor having been down in the count at 1.02 and Corbin in the top of the fourth allowed a run on a one-out solo homer by Brandon Nimmo to right field for an 8-1 Mets lead. This was Nats manager Davey Martinez during his post-game press conference on Tuesday night on Patrick Corbin. Up. Balls were up. All the balls they, they hit out were up, you know. He's got to get the ball down. You know, he's got he's to pitch down. I mean, they fouled off some tough pitches, but all in all, you know, the balls they, they hit were up. 
So um, we got to come back and uh, try to get the ball down next outing. We've kind of heard that a good bit when he's had struggles. Um, is that typically like game planning issues at all in pitch calling situations, yeah, I mean, or is it mostly like he doesn't get to the spot? No, there's some games, you know, there's some. Uh, there's some hitters that you want to get up. You know, you need to throw up, but not not all of them. I mean, you know, and, and if he keeps the sinker down in the way, I mean, he didn't throw he didn't throw very many changeups today. Um, you know, the, the combination of those two, you know, it's you're going to get in trouble. So um, yeah, tonight, just, tonight, just everything was up. Yeah, the one thing to be able to count on him all year long was depth. Five innings, I think, every start since opening day. Um, how surprising is that? Frustrating that is for him when he can't even give you that tonight. Yeah, he, he, you know, he, he was frustrated, but you know, I talked to him after the third inning, and um, he's very adamant about going out because I thought, you know, then you know maybe we just get him out and, and save his save his uh, save so, an inning. Um, but he wanted to go back out, you know. But that's just that's Patrick, you know. It's you know, that's why you count on him take the ball every five every five days, and he's going to give you as much as he can give you. But you know, I thought you know at eighty five pitches, four innings was was good enough. Well, Patrick Corbin now for this 2023 regular season has made 28 starts, has registered an ERA of 523, and has allowed 30 home runs. Uh, fellow Nats starting pitcher Trevor Williams in this regular season has allowed 33 home runs. The Nats in Corbin and Williams have two of the worst home run allowing starting pitchers in the majors this season. And the Nats starting pitching really is falling apart, especially when you factor in how much of a mess that Josiah Gray has been lately and how up and down Mackenzie Gore and Joanna Doan have been lately. And know this, as much as we at times have felt like the Nats starting pitching this season has been all right, the Nats for this regular season now have a starting pitching ERA of 486, a starting pitching ERA approaching five. Uh, Two Nats relievers in this 11-5 loss to the Mets on Tuesday night combined to allow three runs in five innings. Andres Machado, all things considered, did a pretty good job. He allowed one run in three innings, but he in the top of the fifth Gave up a leadoff home run by Pete Alonso on a moonshot to left field for a 9-1 Mets lead. That homer went a projected 420 feet per stat cast. And Amos Willingham allowed two runs in two innings. He in the top of the ninth off the Nats having just scored four runs in the bottom of the eighth to make the game mildly interesting. Uh, gave up a first pitch leadoff home run by Brandon Nemo to center field for an 11-5 Mets lead. Uh, that homer went a projected 430 feet per stat cast. Uh, again, the Nats on Tuesday night got out-homered by the Mets 5-0. The Nats in this regular season have hit just 127 home runs, second fewest in the majors, and have allowed 215 home runs, the most home runs allowed in the majors. Think about that combination. The Nats have hit the second fewest home runs in the majors and have allowed the most home runs in the majors. Not a good combination. Uh, The Nats on Tuesday night scored five runs on seven hits and four walks. The seven hits were comprised of a double and six singles. The biggest offensive bright spot for the Nats was Jacob Young. Uh, He is the Nats starting center fielder and number one batter, went two for four with a double, an RBI single, and a walk. Young in the Nats one run first, had a leadoff opposite field double to the right center field gap on a one-two pitch. Young in the Nats four run eighth, had an RBI single to center field to cut the Nats deficit to 10-2, and Young in the bottom of the ninth 
drew a two-out walk. Well, the Nats on August 26 announced that they had selected the contract of Jacob Young from AAA Rochester. He over 35 plate appearances with the Nats. Since being called up, has an on-base percentage of 353. That's good. Uh, game two for the Nats against the Mets. Wednesday night at 7.05, Joanna Doan will be the Nats' starting pitcher. Well, what we had known was coming with the Orioles it did officially come on Tuesday afternoon as the Orioles' AAA affiliate, the Norfolk Tides, on Tuesday afternoon officially announced the promotion of shortstop Jackson Holiday from AA Bowie to AAA Norfolk. Uh, Jackson Holiday, per MLB Pipeline, is the number one prospect in baseball. The O's took Holiday out of a high school in Oklahoma with the number one overall pick in the 2022 MLB draft. He, in his 2023 season, what is just his age 19 season, now has played at four different levels in the Orioles organization. The low-A Delmarva Shorebirds, the high-A Aberdeen Ironbirds, the double-A Bowie Bay Sox, and now the triple-A Norfolk Tides. Holiday this season, over 490 plate appearances for low-A Delmarva, high-A Aberdeen, and double-A Bowie had an OPS of 968. And he, on Tuesday night, did make his debut for Norfolk. He did so in a 9-4 loss to the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. <laughs> I love these minor league team names. Uh, Holiday in this game was the Tides starting shortstop and number one battery. Went one for four with a double and a walk, although he did commit two fielding errors. But Jackson Holiday is an absolute phenom. And again, this is his age 19 season. Uh, that the Orioles infield next season is poised to have Jackson Holiday at shortstop, Gunnar Henderson at third base and or second base, Adley Rutschman at catcher, and Ryan Mountcastle at first base. <laughs> Dude, that is incredibly exciting. Uh, also exciting is what the O's did late night on Tuesday night, a 5-4, 10-inning win at the Los Angeles Angels in Game 2 of a three-game series. If you are a fan of the American League leading O's and you stayed up for this game, you were not disappointed, although you were taken on a wild ride. Uh, this was a game in which the O's blew a 2-0 seventh-inning lead, overcame a 3-2 ninth-inning lead, and blew a 4-3 ninth-inning lead. But ultimately, Joe Angel, the O's at the Angels, again... We're in the win column. And the Orioles again in the win column. You are correct, Joe. The win column. Uh, now, the Tampa Bay Rays did beat the Boston Red Sox 8-6 in 11 innings on Tuesday night. So the O's now for this regular season are in American League best 87-51. and Still are three and a half games ahead of the Rays for the best record in the American League and for first place in the American League East. The O's now have won 13 of their last 17 games. But how about this? The O's this regular season had been 0-41 in games in which the O's entered the ninth inning trailing. Well, make that 1-41. and 41. Uh, The O's late night on Tuesday night overcame a 3-2 ninth inning deficit with a two-run top of the ninth, uh, during which we did have more Orioles magic. Uh, the O's in this two-run ninth 
got a pinch, one-out opposite field double by Adam Frazier on a fly ball to no man's land near the left field line. A pinch, one-out RBI single by Ryan O'Hearn to left field on an 0-2 pitch to tie the game at three. A one-out walk by Adley Rutschman and a one-out opposite field RBI single by Ryan Mountcastle into right center field for a 4-3 Orioles lead. What a job by all of those guys. The O's for the game scored five runs, totaled 13 hits, worked three walks, and went five for 15 with runners in scoring position. However, what we also had in this 5-4-10 inning win at the Angels late night on Tuesday night was the Orioles' Felix Batista-less bullpen having problems. Uh, Felix Batista, he is the Orioles' ace reliever, but he also is out indefinitely with a right UCL injury. And the O's on Tuesday night also had his replacement as the team's closer, Yanir Cano, down. And so what happened in this game? Uh, Well, seven Orioles relievers combined to allow four runs in five and a third innings. The Orioles bullpen absolutely is a concern. And as we get closer and closer to October and playoff baseball, you got to wonder, is the Orioles bullpen up to the task of the postseason? But uh, the Orioles bullpen in this game late night on Tuesday night, quite the adventure. Uh, CNL Perez faced three batters and got three outs. Jorge Lopez was charged with two runs in two-thirds of an inning. He faced five batters but got just two outs. He and what ended up being a two-run seventh for the Angels gave up a one-out opposite field single by Nolan Chanuel to left center field and then a one-out RBI double by Brandon Drury to the left center field gap on an 0-2 pitch to cut the Orioles' lead to 2-1. Danny Coulomb faced four batters and got three outs, but he and that Angels two-run seventh gave up a two-out first pitch RBI single by Mike Moustakis to right field to tie the game at two. Uh, Then we had Jacob Webb. He allowed a run in two-thirds of an inning as he in the bottom of the eighth Gave up a two-out triple by Eduardo Escobar to right field. And then a two-out RBI single by Trey Cabbage through the right side of the infield for a 3-2 Angels lead. D.L. Hall in the bottom of the ninth allowed a run in two-thirds of an inning on a one-out double by Luis Renjifo off the center field wall. A two-out walk of Logan Ohapi and a two-out RBI single by Mickey Moniak to center field on a 1-2 pitch to tie the game at four. Uh, Joey Crable faced one batter and got one out. And Shintaro Fujinami, who has been very up and down for the O's, uh, he was up. He tossed a perfect bottom of the 10th with two swinging strikeouts. Great to see the O's win this game. But if you are an O's fan, I don't know how you have anything close to supreme confidence in this Orioles bullpen right now, given that Felix Batista is not a part of the bullpen. Uh, Dean Kramer was the Orioles starting pitcher for this game late night on Tuesday night. He tossed four and two-thirds scoreless innings with five strikeouts, but yeah, he only lasted for four and two-thirds innings. He gave up four hits, a double, and three singles. He issued three walks, and he threw a lot of pitches. He, over his four and two-thirds scoreless innings, threw 92 pitches, 59 strikes versus 33 balls. Uh, Also with the O's on Tuesday, they on Tuesday afternoon did announce that reliever Austin Voth, the former national, has cleared outright waivers and accepted an assignment to AAA Norfolk. The O's on Sunday afternoon announced that they had designated Voth for assignment. 
Game three for the O's at the Angels Wednesday night at 9.38. Kyle Gibson will be the Orioles' starting pitcher. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Thursday show, episode 651. We'll provide you with more on the commanders. Also talk Nationals and Orioles. And that's on Wednesday night at 7.05 of game two of a two-game series against the New York Mets at Nationals Park. The O's on Wednesday night at 9.38 have game three of a three-game series at the Los Angeles Angels. So the great rest of your Wednesday, and I'll talk to you on Thursday. Has Josh talked to you about expectations for this year in, in terms of what, I don't know exactly like what that definition would be, but what have you guys talked about in terms of? We talked about the greatest expectation is to win. Just like it is every, every year. It's about winning. 